just in case you were wondering where we are, let them know. going on ladies and gentlemen this is your boy crawl how's everybody doing out there today listen i am so so excited to welcome you to the child welfare raising awareness podcast listen y'all this is the podcast that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare This podcast is brought to you by Tuskegee University, the Department of Social Work, and I will be your host. That's right, your boy Croft. So if you are a student, current child care professional, educator, or parent, know this, you have landed in the right place because this is the podcast show where we will raise awareness about interesting child welfare-related topics. Now listen, I will be bringing on various guest experts to discuss real-world topics that relates to child welfare just to equip you for practice. I must say, y'all, it's going to be quite interesting to say the least. I look forward to seeing you soon. This is your boy, Croft. We'll be hollering at you later. (laughs) Peace. Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your boy, Croft. Listen, y'all. We're here again, Tuskegee University, making it happen, y'all. Hey, listen, we're talking about everything child welfare. You understand what I'm saying? You know, we want to welcome you to the Child Welfare Waves Awareness Podcast. Now, this is the podcast that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare. Now, this podcast is brought to you by Tuskegee University the Department of Social Work, and I am your host, Spencer Croft. Listen, today we have a heavy hitter on the line today. I'm talking about Miss Ginger Healy, y'all. Now, Miss Ginger Healy, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Miss Ginger Healy. You know, she is MSW, LCSW, is a clinical social worker with almost 30 years of experience in the field. Now, Ginger has worked as a child abuse investigator, hospital social worker, and school therapist. You know, she spent 15 years as the social service supervisor and international, an international listen y'all, an international adoption agency and was able to travel to provide support for orphanages for all over the world. This job continues to inform her work on attachment and trauma needs in children. She is currently the director of programs for the Attachment and Trauma Network where she co-anchors the podcast Regulated and relational and speaks across the nation on trauma-informed schools, therapeutic parenting, and community engagement. Now, Ginger is also the author of Regulation and Co-Regulation, Accessible Neuroscience That Brings Calm Into the Classroom. That's what we need, y'all. We need that. Ginger is married and has four children who have been her greatest teachers about developmental trauma 
and special needs. Listen, we need that Trump. We need that that calmness in the classroom, y'all. We really do. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Miss Ginger Healy. Miss Ginger, how you doing? Oh, doing great. Thanks for that introduction. I really appreciate it. Good deal. Good deal. So, so how have you been? Been doing great. Trying to survive the winter like everybody else, I suppose. Listen, that's, <laughs> listen, listen. Hey, and you know, and it was so wonderful listening to you on the conference uh, this past week. I mean, you know, you were all, you're always so informative to me. And I just want to appreciate you for the work that you do. You understand? I really appreciate hearing that feedback. That means a lot. Good deal, good deal. Now we're gonna get started. I wanna ask you a couple of questions. The first question I wanna ask you about is, you know, I need you to tell us about, I need you to tell all of us about your social work career and your connection to Tuskegee University or, you know, the form partnership with TU. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always happy to talk about social work and uh, my social work career, I love to talk to students, social work students, or students who are considering social work because it is such an important part of my life. And um, I'm so proud of everything that I've done. And I just feel like it's such a valuable career in so many ways that I I love to talk about it, so I'm happy to do that. I You had mentioned a lot in my bio about experiences that I've had. Um, I started out as a child abuse investigator, and that was my first job after I graduated. But I want to point out, I think it's important to point out that prior to graduation, prior to college graduation, I had several jobs within the field, like as an assistant, um, case manager aide. I volunteered with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, and all of that led me to graduate in the field because I, I needed to try it out first. And, and I recommend that to any student, that you can volunteer, you can get a job prior to graduation. And that experience is so helpful and has also helped me formed connections that led me to the next job, led me to the next experience, taught me what I was good at, and also taught me what I really didn't enjoy in the field. And so I've had a lot of different jobs in the field. And that is one of the really, I think, awesome things about having a social work career is that you can do so many different things. There are so many different opportunities. If you like working with um, children or you like working with married couples or you like working um, with the elderly population, uh, the disabled population, there you're just not limited. And sometimes, at least me, after working a few years in a certain job, life change. And so this career really gives opportunities for all those things. I mentioned that after graduation, I did child abuse investigation. That was a really tough job, as you can imagine. Um, but it gave me such great experience and such great insight into, 
you know, that whole system and what changes maybe needed to happen. And I'm grateful for that job, but I knew very quickly that that was not a job that I was going to stay in very long because it was so mentally, emotionally, and physically really draining. And I felt like there was just more I could do. And so that is when I went on to get a master's degree. And I may be jumping ahead, but I just want to sit for a minute and also express that um, encouragement to any student out there considering social work that if you can, I really recommend pursuing a master's degree. It opens up so many doors and so many opportunities and gives you more flexibility, more choices, a higher income. And it has just um, really propelled me forward in so many ways that I am so grateful for. So anyway, I, I went and got that master's degree. And then afterwards, um, that's when I started really working um, in the hospital doing crisis social work. And that was kind of the stepping stone of where I got today doing the trauma work because I um, really found that I was good in crisis situations. And I understand that not everybody is, and definitely not everybody wants to be put in a crisis situation, but I found that I really was able to have a calm head during a crisis and was able to really help a lot of people. And so I really enjoyed working in that hospital setting. Um, and after that, I started a private practice and then began um, working in adoptions. I um, had always wanted to be a mom more so than I wanted to be a social worker. And when I started my family, um, we had a son that had autism and then we adopted another son um, with developmental trauma. And so pretty quickly I realized that I needed to, you know, needed a lot of help in raising these boys. And I also needed to work for financial reasons and for mental health sanity reasons on my part, I needed a balance because 24 seven in the home with children with disabilities and trauma was really hard. And so that's what led me to take the job working as an adoption therapist and um, helping children in orphanages because I had known what my son had gone through. He was born in Romania and we adopted him. And um, I just, kind of needed to become an expert in the um, issues that can come with international adoption when it comes to um, trauma and attachment. And then, of course, that led me to being a school therapist and um, working where I do now, which is the Attachment and Trauma Network. All those many years of working um, in the field, concentrating my um, knowledge and expertise with um, attachment and trauma uh, led me to coming to where I am now as the program director for the Attachment and Trauma Network. So the other question wow. you asked me, <laughs> you wow. asked me about Tuskegee, and I have such a big heart for Tuskegee. I met Dr. April Jones a few years ago at a conference, an attachment conference, and we started chatting, and she said, do you want to come and work with Tuskegee and and help um, with conference speaking and with their learning management system? And I I never pretty much say no to anything. So that's how I started working with Tuskegee about 
four years ago, and we've just been going strong ever since. Wow, wow, that's just amazing to me. I mean, you've told me about the trauma network, uh, the attachment network. I mean, you know, that's 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 something serious. That is something serious. So the 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 trauma, the attachment trauma network, I mean, you know, that's got to be, I mean, I don't I mean, that's got to be something very, very serious. I mean, just to even hear about attachment trauma. I mean, give me about five minutes of that. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about um, this nonprofit agency. The Attachment and Trauma Network was formed over 25 years ago, and it's it's got a really cool backstory. The it it was started because there was a group of moms just like me who had adopted children from overseas orphanages. And they quickly realized, man, these kids need more than love. They need support. They need resources. They need therapy. And the moms themselves, obviously the children needed help, but the moms themselves realized we need help. We don't know what we're doing. We feel alone. We are tired. And we just don't know what to do or where to go. And so a few moms... Um, through the adoption group got together and formed um, this attachment and trauma network. That's how it started out, focusing on the needs of the children and the caregivers who took care of these children who were severely impacted by trauma, who had had all these adverse experiences and because of that had attachment difficulties and were not able to just easily, quickly, um, form these relational bonds with their parents. And because of that, we're really struggling with so many different things. So these moms formed this um, nonprofit, and then it has just grown from there. We are now still, of course, always will be focusing on children who have experienced adversity and trauma and working on the attachment needs with families. We are also now working within the schools because very quickly um, we realized that um, the schools, the teachers, they are working with these children all day and they need the help and support and resources and understanding that the parents need as well. And then from there, we're also branching out into communities and, um, you know, trying to bridge the gap between schools and families and communities so that we can surround these children who have trauma and attachment needs with all of these safe, we call them buffer relationships, these relationships that buffer these children from the trauma and from the adversity and pushing that blow with support, knowledge, resources, understanding, everything that these kids need in order to grow and heal and thrive and build resilience so that they can become and meet their potential for everything they need. So that's just a little bit. We have I could talk for hours. I know we don't have hours, but there are many programs and wonderful resources that the Attachment and Trauma Network offers to families and schools and communities. Ms. Haley, I mean, you know, the information is is, is very serious and informative. Um, I mean, you know, just to hear about this attachment trauma network, that's that's amazing to me. Now, you know, what's something that you would like to tell the students now 
or professionals about how to successfully chart their career in social work and why is social yeah. work a good career choice? I think I already kind of mentioned how um, passionate I am about social work as a career and um, I just feel like there are not many careers out there that can really um, help in the same capacity as social work can. And part of it is that I mentioned before, there are so many opportunities for so many different jobs, opportunities for change and growth, and it's an evolving, changing field. And so it is really an important field for so many reasons. And so I just, I love what it has done for me for my coworkers and colleagues and for all the people that we have served through all these years. Now, having done this for almost 30 years, I'm coming up this summer on 30 years in this field. I feel like I can truly really say um, how valuable and how underappreciated um, social workers are. And that's, um, you know, been the case for a very long time. I think the same is true for teachers. Those of us in the field that are child serving professionals and those serving vulnerable populations, um, that's, you know, an unfortunate thing that we are overworked and underpaid. But I also think there's a lot of hope in policy change. And I also think there's a lot of hope in um, us um, banding together as a group and supporting one another, that we can be each other's um, support and resource. That's why I'm also passionate about talking to young social workers and being a mentor, because I had that as a young social worker. Um, I have a dear, dear friend who was ahead of me by many years, um, in the social work field. And he sat me down one day and said, Ginger, you need to go get a master's degree. It will open up so many opportunities for you. And at the time I was young, I was poor, I was tired of school. And I thought, I just don't know if that's in the cards for me. And he just kept saying, you know, I believe in you. I think you're smart. I think you're capable. I think you're talented. And I think this would be the very best decision for you. And then from there, he guided me um, into graduate school applications and schools and has been a lifelong mentor now. We have worked together for many years. I will forever be indebted to him and what he did for me. And so I just feel this um, calling to pay that forward and pay it back to any young social worker who has any questions or needs. So I, I know that I probably kind of circled about your question, but I, I definitely recommend a master's degree. I recommend trying lots of different jobs in the field, finding what are your strengths, what you like, and getting experience before you graduate, while you're in school and after, you know, and running away from your weaknesses either, because there are jobs out there that I have not liked and have been really hard, those are the ones that I have learned the most from. And so also I recommend not running away from hard situations because it gives us so much empathy for our clients and those we serve when we can say, I know how it feels to be in a really tough spot and to, to be humble 
and to learn and grow and, and exercise perseverance, uh, when we can empower our clients with those type of experiences, if we have experienced them, then we are both for the better, you know, after that. That that's that's so amazing. I know you you mentioned hope a lot. And, you know, I usually have an acronym for hope that's holding on, praying, expecting. And and no. usually, I mean, you know, and that's that's for me, that's that's what hope is. But what I really want to know is, I you know, I ask a lot of guests this is tell me about the 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 ginger Healy, the kid that, you know, I'm sure social work was never in your mind just growing up mm. as a kid or was it no that's actually a great question i i did have um a very winding journey to social work it was not a straight shot when i was um young starting out in college i thought that i might want to be an author and so i took um English classes and I liked them, but I just, it didn't, I thought, I don't know if this is the right field for me. And so then next I changed my major to um, linguistics because I have a, just a desire to travel the world. And so I learned a few languages for the uh, linguistics degree and nice. I did travel um, and I loved that, but I realized quickly that that might not be the correct career for me because, as I mentioned before, first and foremost, I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to, um, if possible, stay at home with my children. Um, and so traveling around the world as a career didn't really align with that. And so then um, I took a, um, it's kind of like a personality test that tells you what your strengths and weaknesses are and what careers might match up to that. And oddly enough, it, it had three top um, careers as a possible path for me. And one was English being an author and one was linguistics traveling and doing translation. And the third was social work. And wow. I thought, wow. well, okay, we haven't tried social work yet. Let's give that a go. And so I remember that summer I had finished all of my um, general education. So it was time to pick a major, you know? And so um, I had the summer to kind of figure it out. And so I took um, mental health 101 and within a week or two of that class, I knew this was it for me. It was absolutely, um, it just felt right. And as I started looking into um, the jobs that were available, I just, I just kept feeling better and better about it. And so that's what I did. And that's what I graduated in. And, you know, the really cool thing about that story is that I still have been able to use uh, the linguistics and the English because Anyone who knows anything about social work knows it's a lot of writing, it's a lot of reports, and um, you need those English skills. And then for me, uh, for over 15 years, I was an international social worker working all over the world in, um, in different orphanages. And so that linguistics background and the traveling background came in very handy. And so I was able to incorporate all of that together into 
this career that has been so um, beautiful for me and, and life affirming. And, and I just, in fact, um, this, this month um, finished my first book and um, it publishes May 4th. You can pre-order oh, it. Wow. Now. Oh, wow. I know. So I just am, you've got me at a really good time in my career where I'm feeling all these full circle moments of being able to give back in so many different ways. And I'm really hoping that this book continues to give back to anyone who is searching for answers for clients in the field. It's specifically written for teachers, but it's so easily adapted for social workers, for therapists, for anyone working with a child, parents. Um, that is the, um, the, the whole thing is, is how to help a child calm and regulate their nervous system if they have experienced any adverse event, which now we know is most every child, unfortunately. So it's for everybody. Wow. Wow. That's, that's so, that's so amazing. And, uh, you know, you were talking about uh, all the different things that you tried and everything. This is going to be helpful for a lot of students at Tuskegee University because of the fact that, you know, if they're kind of wondering which way to go, I mean, you know, what, what you just said could help a whole lot of people. And uh, how can we obtain that book? Yeah, absolutely. It's You can get it on Amazon if you search Ginger Healy. If you search regulation and co-regulation, it will pop right up. It's called Regulation and Co-Regulation, Accessible Neuroscience, Calming Strategies for the Classroom. So it's available right now on Amazon. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Miss Healy, it, it has been such a pleasure to have you on. Is there anyone? Anyone that you would like to 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 thank or anyone you'd like to shout out and, and give thanks to uh, before we end the podcast this evening? Boy, I um the list is long, right? Of who to thank, who who makes us <laughs> who we are. But I think that is such a very cool thing that you would even offer that as a suggestion because I don't know that we spend enough time in gratitude and it would be crazy for me to say on any level that um, where I am today with my um, happiness and joy within my career and family was my, a result of me, right? It's a result of all of those who we surround ourselves by. And so, um, you know, I, I would forget names if I started listing them, but I will say that we should spend time in gratitude to all of those who surround us, especially our teachers and our mentors. And I would encourage any student to lean on your teachers, lean on your professors, lean on your coworkers and colleagues. We really truly need each other. We are born to connect. We are born to be in safe relationship. And that is how we build resilience and move forward. And we just can't do this alone. And we have been so isolated these past few years and it has really done us a lot of harm. There may have been some good self-reflection, but it is time for us now to get back out there and connect emotionally and physically um, with others. And it needs, and it can't just be anyone. It has to be that po those positive safe, dependable, predictable relationships. That's how we grow. 
That's how we overcome our adversities. And that's how we make it through vulnerable times that really test us. So for me, it's just a shout out to all my mentors and teachers and family that have surrounded me my whole life and helped me become, you know, who I want to be and, and continue to grow and, and thrive in this great work. So Good deal. Good deal. Hey, listen, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It has been a pleasure just to have you on about this whole child welfare things. This is the podcast about all child welfare. And we have had Miss Ginger Healy as our guest tonight. And we're so happy that you came on. Thank you so very much. And when I tell you thank you, I want to say thank you so much for your time this time. And until the next time, I hope it's better than the last. And as my dad would always say, you're never out of business when you mind your own. This is your boy Croft, and we'll holler at you later. Peace. Thank you so very much for tuning into the Child Welfare Raising Awareness Podcast. This is the podcast, y'all, that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare. Oh, it was a great time, and we look forward to seeing you next time for another mind-stimulating conversation. And until then, remember, y'all, we strive for perfection, but if we have to settle, we only settle for excellence. This is your boy Crawl. We'll talk to you later. Peace.